everybody. We're back with another P-Talk today. Today with a really interesting topic regarding passion and leadership, but more on the dark side, which I think is so important, right? Because we we don't really think about that, but it is such a big part of being a leader. And it is something I think if you're in leadership, everybody has experienced at some point. Or if you're really passionate starting something of your own, you kind of feel like it's your baby, right? So, you know, this is, this is a huge part of, um, I think, what is really important to address and to look at here um, at Dr. Passion. I'm Mary Elizabeth Fremont Javanji, and we're back with another P Talk with Dr. Passion, aka Soko Trin. Or is it the other way around? It's the other way around. It's Soko Trin, aka Dr. Passion. You're both. I've, I don't know. I go to conferences, people go, oh, you talk to that dude, that, that. Uh, Dr. Passion. <laughs> it's, it just came up that way. So, um, yeah, um, I don't know. Um, my students called me Dr. Trin. My coaches and clients called me Soko. Uh, but, yeah, commonly people, for some reason, they know me as, like, your Mr. Nickname, Dr. Your Passion. <laughs> <laughs> the brand has become the nickname. Well, we have a couple of questions for you today. And some of these um, questions are going to have topics, for those of you listening, that are heavily research-based topics, and um, it's okay if at first they don't necessarily make sense or if some of them are not distinguishable for you. Hopefully this this P-Talk will help you get a grip on some of them, but we are going to be doing a follow-up article um, on the topic and some of the, some of the concepts here, um, but also feel free to reach out, to send an email, um, to look us up on social media and reach out if you have any questions or something that we are talking about today interests you. So I'm going to start off with the first question, which is the topic of the month today, today and for this month is, is we're talking about stress, but more particularly the dark side of, of leadership because stress is such a big part of that. Um, and so leaders are not always aware right away of their stress levels and whether they are in fact affecting processes um, or the culture on their teams. And so what are some commonly missed or disregarded signs of real stress? I think I want to start off with stress. Um, and how do, you, how do they sort of deteriorate teams and organizations from a research perspective over time um, from what you can tell and what you know? I think this is such a important question right now mm. we are probably we have experienced i mean from my own living i've never experienced something like this and by this i mean a pandemic a shift of working from face to face to online mostly or from home and um when i see what my clients my students my coaches um have been experiencing and sharing with me, I see a pattern where people have been resisting against the change. Right. And if there's one constant that we know, it's change, right? Um, change will always happen and people resist change. And so one of the things I've noticed is a peak and increase in stress um, and also, to a certain extent, anxiety for certain people. But these are two different constructs. Um, and stress manifests itself very differently depending on people. And yet, I do see some common patterns again. So when we talk about leaders, the first thing that is fascinating when you look into research is, <laughs> did you know that leaders 
according to research, there's a beautiful piece of study from uh, Gary Sherman. Leaders, and the more senior you go in leadership, the lower your level of stress will be present. And we're looking at the level of stress hormone, so cortisol, and and also the lower level of anxiety. So if you look at the spectrum where you've got senior, seniority of, of, of leadership, the top would be very senior, the bottom would be more junior leader. The higher you go in that spectrum, the, the lower your level of stress and anxiety. And that is fascinating. And yet, stress still manifests itself on the leaders and through some sort of mirroring effect, which I found in my own research, it impacts the employee, the team members. So the invisible signs, they are visible, but also invisible signs. Think of an iceberg, which is a very well-known metaphor, right? The top of the iceberg, what do you see? You would see people shouting. You would see people scratching their face. You would see people sleeping less. You would see people... Um, eating badly or faster, you would see the pace of their speech, uh, maybe higher pitch, maybe faster, nervous type of uh, way of speaking. Um, but then there are invisible sides to this, the bottom of the iceberg, plenty of them. So a lot of ruminating thoughts. So rumination comes back, come back and come back again and again. Uh, those leaders think about work nonstop. They bring work back to home. They've got their phones switched on. They, ha- they feel the urge, the need to check the emails. To th- and they, they sometimes don't even think about it. But they automatically have this ruminating thought about, oh, um, gosh, the project, the, the team issue, the, and so on and so forth. And these are invisible you don't always see it when you're sitting in front of right. this person. And so um, this has a huge, a huge impact on the rest of the organization that can cost million, million of pounds, dollars, or euros, whatever currency you're using. Through a mirroring effect, employee also perceive and got transferred part of that stress. Through a mirroring effect, employees start disconnecting themselves from the leaders. I mean, think about it. When toxic behaviors manifest themselves on the leaders, they stonewall, they start blaming, uh, passive-aggressive, what else? Well, you name it, those typical toxic behaviors and toxin. Then the employees start disconnecting emotionally from the leader. And this is where you start seeing things like drop or a huge reduction of um, number of top talents. So this, the churn rate, you know, would increase. Uh, top talent rotation would be a challenge. People start uh, delivering less. Um, and also the employee and the teams will also experience themselves stress. So um, quite a few visible but also invisible 
way to um, see stress on leaders and it on their sounds teams. Sounds like it sounds like organizational doomsday. And I think as I'm listening to you, just you know, also being a positive psychology person with a background in that, just thinking about what you're saying is making me think about how yes, this sounds like a like a doomsday scenario. But at the core um, of this is the reality that some of these things are subtle sometimes, and uh, they can evade leaders. Um, so I think that's also a really big piece of this is you're talking about this mirroring effect, but we're also talking about the subtle ways in which we sort of do that in teams, um, over time. That kind of leads me to my second question, which is I wanted to talk a little bit about the tipping point where a leader goes from being aware Like I said, some of these things are subtle sometimes from being aware that they're in a harmonious state of leadership or of passion to the dark side, to the obsessive state of passion. What are some of the most like maladaptive outcomes to pin down and and just tell us a little bit because again, maladaptive outcomes is is fairly research-based sort of concept. So talk to us a little bit about that. This is a great question, and I think it's so current, as in it, it's, it's, it's right now in many, many places in the world. Um, first, I have to take a step back and very briefly explain how passion works. Um, that could be days in itself, but I'm going to do that in like literally a minute or two. But there's multiple... This uh, Passion is a, is a construct in itself. You could measure, you can scientifically define this. And according to um, Professor Virant, um, who spent a huge part of his life investigating passion, there's two types of passion that are observed. One, which is called that the nice one, the positive one, uh, to oversimplify it, harmonious passion. So that's a sort of passion that has been generated when you had the autonomy to decide the life that you have, uh, the way you think, and so on and so forth, leading to a lot of positive outcomes. So you're very passionate about, let's say, playing um, the piano. And then suddenly you start going on YouTube and you check out uh, piano lessons uh, in different languages. And you go to concert and suddenly you start learning Um, Italian or Spanish or French. So this positive collateral impact when harmonious passion is present. People feel better as well. They're happier. But the other type of passion is uh, obsessive passion. And that's what I call the dark side of passion, when dark side manifests itself. So in the spectrum, you go to the other side. And obsessive passion happens when people have that sense of loss in autonomy. They they don't autonomously choose the life they have, the role as a CEO that they've had, and so on and so forth. And in that instance, when you have this, a lot of maladaptive outcomes happen, show themselves, manifest themselves. In my own research, when I interviewed leaders across the world, pretty much in four or five continents, uh, but also looking at existing data and collecting additional set of data, I see five dimensions, five categories of dark side to that flame, that fire, that passion in leadership. When it's too much, passion doesn't brightening, doesn't brighten you. It actually burns you like a fire, metaphorically. First thing that you observe is behavioral maladaptive outcomes. Leaders will start being impatient. Like, that's a deadline. Do you have the report? Send it to me tomorrow. Being impatient, 
they also won't let go and start micromanaging. I told you to do this. Um, I hear things like, um, I just can't let go. I have to check what my team is doing. Emails are sending. And that's a behavior you observe. And on an themselves... Almost an obsessive yes. way. Mm-hmm. And, then, and, and also a behavioral negative impact on themselves. They start self-neglecting themselves. The way they eat, the way they sleep, and so on and so forth. Then the other dimension is cognitive. They start having ruminating thoughts, obsession about work. It's almost as if they were bringing work back home in their heart and their mind and their soul. This, they, 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 they think about work nonstop. They are ruminating thoughts about this. The other cognitive things that I see in, in leaders is blinding judgment. They, they, it's almost as if they were wearing blinkers to stop thinking certain things, what teams would say, and they would think a certain way, which is, that's my way or the highway, and it does blind the judgment. The third dimension is emotional. When you have that dark side of passion showing up, um, that's when they step into the dark side, from the bright into the dark side. And emotional, they would start experiencing stress, which I would argue is so much more than emotional. We talk about that as well if needed. But they would start feeling very stressed about work. They wake up in the morning, and they think about the deadlines, the project. They show anger. It's quite a common um, pattern that I see as well uh, from leaders. And um, they even accept suffering, emotional suffering. It's okay. I'm working hard. The team is working hard. And they start normalizing it and emotionally start accepting suffering inflicted by passion. Then there's another dimension, which is physiological. And in physiological, they, when they step into the dark side, um, they also experience stress. So stress is also a physiological concept. They sleep poorly. Um, they eat poorly, they do sports less, they neglect uh, themselves, and that affects the way they function, their body, the way they breathe, and the way they operate. They're less efficient at work. And then it's physical. And that you see that in, for example, artists, uh, ballet dancer, when they're so obsessed about their dance, their, their craft, they start accepting suffering. I mean, there's a beautiful movie called... Um, Black Swans, uh, where Natalie Portman is is suffering, possessed somehow by her passion for ballet dancing. Yeah. And she starts normalizing and accepting the suffering in her feet. And this is really fascinating because you hear that on leaders, organizational leaders themselves, um, and self-neglecting as well themselves, the, the physique somehow. And I hear things like, you know what, I eat poorly and so on and so forth. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm putting weight on and... Um, so that's another physical dimension in the dark side of passion in leaders. It's just uh, like listening to you, I was just thinking just now, I was giggling a little bit because I was like, there you go, leaders, go watch Black Swan. And if for some reason your heart can relate and empathize with the Natalie Portman Black Swan character, maybe it's time to evaluate <laughs> your, your stress levels. <laughs> Don't turn into the black swan. It's possessing you. <laughs> no, but I think it's great because I have watched that film. And also, you know, we know all about, you know, archetypes and, and how we can really in these extreme forms relate um, to certain characters and certain visuals. Um, and they tell us something about us. So I think 
yeah, it, there's a little bit of something to say about it, <laughs> I think. It's not totally a giggle moment. Um, but let's move a little bit into like the positive side of this, which is there. Th- this doesn't have to be permanent. If So if a passionate leader or entrepreneur asked you, what can I do to manage my stress level so I do not fall to the dark side, what tips or tricks or strategies would you recommend they personally take? Gosh, that's such a great question. I I got asked this this question a lot of time when people say, oh gosh, I didn't know. You got this concept called blind spot. You know, Johari Window is a very well-known coaching tool, but you also use that in so many, many more disciplines than coaching. And when you have a blind spot, you don't know what you don't know. And so what I noticed that a lot of leaders don't see when they're stepping into the dark side, right? From the bright side into the dark side. And so practically, a lot of things that I would um, invite them to to, to work on is um, self-awareness. This is a given. There's plenty of research about um, correlation between self-awareness and being a good leader, for example, and the way you treat people. Um, And very practically, um, there's five things probably that I would use a lot. Um, One is, um, it's actually an approach slash tool itself that I've I've created, and I'm actually going to publish a research on this at some point. I call it SBA, Stop, Breeze, Act. Three steps. You stop whatever you are doing or about to do. You were about to shout at your staff. You were about to send a killing email to someone that you hate. You stop. Or you're shouting, you're arguing with your wife or your husband or your team member. You stop. You could literally even walk to another room. You stop. Then what you do is you breathe for 60 seconds. And what happens is that physiologically, it allows the air to go straight and carries the, you know, um, your blood straight to your brain. And you function properly. You start being able to <laughs> as breathe you're talking about and it, I'm function properly. <laughs> it's right. funny, as you're talking about it, I'm, I'm like noticing, I don't know, like if whoever's watching this will see that I physically started to stop and breathe. Oh, that's really you interesting. Stop. You stop, you breathe, and what is stopping and breathing for 60 seconds? It's nothing. 60 seconds. Then A, you act, meaning you go back to what you are doing or what you were about to do. So you were about to shout at someone. You were about to punch somebody's face. You were about to be aggressive to your team members. Then you had the time to stop, probably cognitively think about it. But then most importantly, you breathe. You created a headspace. And then you act. Mm. That's one thing. And next thing is mindfulness. Extremely well-known um, 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 philosophy and approach that um, is used by, by many, uh, including leaders. Uh, so practice mindfulness. Uh, it's one form of meditation. But it's really misunderstood many, many. too, I think. I think mindfulness is really like when people think of mindfulness, they think of meditation. And yeah. I, I'm hoping we will get to talk about mindfulness like as a theme in another month. I'm sure we will. Um, because we will. I think it's, it is a really misunderstood topic. I think lots of leaders, when they think of mindfulness, they're like, tell me what's new. There's a lot actually to the, absolutely. <laughs> to the, whole, to the whole topic. Absolutely. And you, you're absolutely right. And mindfulness now is more and more well accepted, welcome in organization. I mean, I mean, think about it. When I was talking to like C-suites in the past about mindfulness to go, mm. Soko or Dr. Tree, don't ask me to close my eyes, have a gong sound in the background and start breathing like in these Hollywood movies. That's not what mindfulness is only about. 
it's so many more things, right? You could mindfully walk, mindfully write, mindfully walk, work as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the next level of mindfulness. So when you bring mindfulness to yourself, this is when power and potential really reach another level. So mindfulness as a regular practice is great. And one thing that I invite my my the people I coach to is 60-second mindful showering or a mindful activity for a minute on regular basis. You weave in mindfulness as part of something you anyway do every day. Brushing your teeth, taking a shower. So I practice mindfulness under my shower, uh, setting an intention for the week. And then every day, because I shower every day, I, I set myself <laughs> this mindful intention and I breathe for 60 seconds, focusing on the breathing. And then, then one sense, I pick either the listening, the smell, and so on and so forth. And what it does, it really also increases self-awareness. There's quite a lot of research between mindfulness and self-awareness. Journaling is another thing. I advise people to put what they have in their mind into paper. Or That's again if they another want. topic that I think when people think of journaling, they're like, again, tell me what's new. But there, there is so many aspects of journaling. And yes. I, I was actually in a room, for those of you who don't know, I, I used to be a student of Soko's a couple years back. And I was actually in the room when you did an entire lecture on evaluation and reflection um, in, in careers. Um, and I remember it. It's one of my favorite lectures, actually, that I remember from my time. Um, there. So yeah, I think there's a lot of layers <laughs> to this topic. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, so journaling in itself is very powerful. It really allows you to, to, to brain drop somehow what you have uh, in your heart, in your mind, uh, into any form and format. And we could talk about journaling as well. The fourth thing is um, you don't know what you don't know. It's great to have feedback from outside. So if you have trusted allies feedback, that is powerful. So if you form like, we, we can talk about stakeholders, stakeholders mapping at some point, but imagine you have allies in your teams, in the organization, trusted people, then you can ask them, um, I've been working on myself, I've been working on this. What do you think? Is there, um, is there anything that you noticed about the way now I talk to people, the way I communicate? And then if trust is here, you vulnerably open up and you ask that trusted ally to tell you what he or she think about you and how you've been evolving. And last but not least, two things, positive relationships, very powerful. When stress is here or dark side is here, when you step into a dark side, uh, you take your agenda seven days in a week, you put one name per day, and you talk to these people that love you or that you love. And so what you do is you then spend time, like uh, 10 minutes, 20 minutes over the phone or over a coffee with these people. And then you spend time with people that make you feel good and so on and so forth. So positive relationship, one per day, like an apple, one a day makes you healthy. And then finally, a healthy routine. So this is where I talk about and coach a lot of leaders on behavioral shifts. So setting habits, but especially healthy habits, a healthy routines, the way they sleep, they eat, the way they stop doing, um, stop having bad habits. Professor um, Dr. Wendy Wood Uh, has conducted a huge amount of research on habits. Um, And one thing that she talks about is the concept of nudge, for example, the concept of um, not only nudge, but also the concept of... um of uh, friction. So for example, you want to lose weight, you have usually candies in front of you, then put the candies a bit further. You create a physical barrier between you and the candies. So it dissuades you from actually wanting to eat more candies. (laughs) You could apply the same, the same trick to use that word in leaders and in behavioral shifts. You could actually 
help them stop some bad habits by creating frictions. Okay, so um, really quickly, I want—I definitely want to ask you this question. For those of you who, when I ask this question, want to know more, look out for that follow-up article where we will really have um, some really detailed responses to these topics. Um, how do you help leaders experience more harmonious leadership? Do you have an, a coaching approach for nurturing this? This is a huge topic. Um, I'm going to try to simplify the answer and 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 make it very bottom line um there's different steps and the different um um dimension or aspect that you could start with one of them is working on self-awareness um self-awareness is a huge dimension that i found in my own research that has an impact in whether um uh, leaders step into the dark side or not and one of the thing is um, when you're harmoniously passionate, that's great. But as we just discussed now, you can step into the ducks and be obsessively passionate. Um, but what if your self-awareness level was super high, like a superpower? And if you have that superpower, what happens is that you don't allow yourself to step into the duck side. You then try to remain in the harmonious side of things, the bright side. And I found there was a tipping point a tipping point with between a certain level of self-awareness and a certain level of autonomy that you could craft and create for you as a leader. So autonomously choosing the work that you want to do, the project you want to execute, the team members you want to be surrounded by, and so on and so forth, and autonomously choosing the leadership role that you want to have as well. When you have the autonomy or sense of autonomy plus that self-awareness, it brings you to a nice tipping point beyond which you step into the dark side, but then you would, thanks to this level of autonomy and high self-awareness, remain in harmonious passion, if that makes sense. Mm. And then uh, there's other things. So we work a lot on, as I said in the previous tips, um, you know, stop, breathe, and act, and mindfulness, and journaling, talking to a trusted ally, practicing healthy uh, habits or healthy routines. All of these little nudges and little elements cumulatively make that you you're very aware of yourself you're very aware and you do not let yourself sleep into the dark side of passion and so i coach a lot and i work a lot and i and i, I design a lot of development program for teams as well for so that they don't sleep into the toxic side of team dynamic for example okay well, that's all we have time for today. But like I said, um, if any of you are interested in these topics, I mean, I, I love talking about all of these things. And, and some of these concepts, like I said, are multi-layered concepts. And there's, you know, certainly here at Dr. Passion, different ways in which we approach them and create solutions for, for topics like this, specifically stress, which is, you know, a common, a common thing seen in leadership. So if you're looking out for more content, more information, please feel free to reach out to us. Um, again, um, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the chat. If you did, Share, like, subscribe, and please join me for the next one.